Hey everybody, it's Kai Rizdahl. Thanks for downloading the Corner Office Podcast. This episode, we are continuing our theme from the past couple of episodes, apparel. Last time, you might remember, we spoke with the CEO of Land's End, a company that sells a mix of luggage and home decor and casual clothing. Our guest today also works in casual clothing, designing and selling sneakers and hoodies and t-shirts. And when I say t-shirts, I don't mean the cheap kind, I mean the high-end kind. Casual wear, think Kanye West and his Yeezy sneakers. It's a pretty mainstream staple of the fashion world right now that is called streetwear. But back in the day, streetwear was smaller, sort of an extension of a lot of different subcultures, like skateboarding and punk rock and surfing. And that is the world into which Bobby Kim, better known to his customers as Bobby Hundreds, launched a small t-shirt business that eventually became the L.A. streetwear company, The Hundreds. Most recently, Bobby Kim has written a book that is part biography, part historical dive into streetwear, but also a look into how he organically developed his own business brand without selling out. We're expecting you. Won't you have a seat? Ready to go to work? Bobby Kim, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Maybe we ought to start with a definition uh, for those who aren't completely up to speed on what streetwear actually is. I mean, you're a practitioner, a seller, a, a, a purveyor of. What does it mean to you? Well, streetwear um, on the surface level is fashion subgenre, I guess you could say. It's uh, T-shirts. It's limited edition sneakers. Um, it's those crazy lineups you see outside of stores with kids carrying skateboards. But on a deeper level, I think streetwear represents um, a community, a culture, it's it's even beyond a lifestyle. It's really uh, hmm. a meeting grounds for youth culture to congregate. Why? What what makes you say that? What what uh, where'd that come from? I I think what it is is that um, it's a very creative platform. It's a medium where anyone can get involved. Um, in fact, it becomes everyone's first business or brand foray uh, because the barrier of entry is so low. To build a brand to create a T-shirt is just to design a graphic. Um, you can put together an Instagram profile. You have a Shopify cart, and all of a sudden you're up and running. And then that basically, I mean, you didn't do the whole Shopify cart thing because it wasn't around. But that's right. Fifteen years ago, right? That's basically what you did. You you designed a, a couple of things and and you got them printed out. Yeah, that's exactly how it happened. Um, in 2003, we started a brand. Uh, my friend and I, Ben, we just designed a few T-shirts, put them up in an online shop. And before we knew it, it started taking off. Uh, I think it was largely propelled by the fact that I had this ongoing narrative around my blog. Pre-social media, uh, this was how we kept in touch with our audience and were also transparent mm -hmm. about our culture and our lifestyle. First of all, blog, I mean, you're dating yourself, right? Yeah. <laughs> in the early 2000s, we had these things yeah. called blogs, a yeah. short form for web logging. Um, right. It was a way for me to just kind of journal about what I was eating every day, and also just us skating and hanging out on the street, also designing and drawing cool T-shirts. It has to be said here, I don't want to go too deep into this, but it has to be said here, you did this, you founded this company, you and your co-founder, uh, as a side gig while you were in like your second year of law school or something, first year of law school. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I went to law school initially because I was frustrated by a lot of, I was a, I was a freelancer in publishing, and 9-11 yeah. had just happened, and it was hard to get work. And so um, when I went to law school thinking I could pursue a more professional, serious, stable career, I'm a I'm a second-generation Korean-American immigrant. Uh, my mm -hmm. parents really impressed upon me this fact that I needed to have a, a secure job, and, and that's either in medicine or, or law. And uh, I met my friend, Ben, who also was um, brought up in, with the same upbringing and was also told that, you know, he needed to have a, a serious job. And so 
uh, when we were in law school, we decided to put this brand together as, as a way to kind of be expressive creatively, but also to yeah. start securing our own path and our own future. I imagine your parents are fine with it now, but my guess is it didn't go over too well first year of law school when you said, I'm doing this other thing. <laughs> no. What helped was I had an older brother who was in medicine who uh-huh. was, a, was a doctor and was going into med school, and then he kind of jumped out, and he bailed and became a pastor. So after that broke my father's <laughs> heart, uh, and I told him, hey, look, I'm not going to be a lawyer. I'm going to design T-shirts for a living. Um, he was just like, exhausted, do whatever you want to do at that point. <laughs> I love that. Um, the hundreds, where did that come from? I mean, you adapt it as your, your nom de plume, as it were. You know, it's, That's right. it's like part of your brand identity. What's yeah, it about? Um, everyone who's a part of this brand in this community, um, they they adopt the name almost like we're all part of this band together. Like the Ramones, or when I was growing up, there's a band called Seven Seconds, and the singer's name was Kevin Seconds. The hundreds is the indicative of the decade that we started in, but really it what, what it mm. refers to is community. It refers to people, refers to bringing people together to just build relationships and to open up dialogues. What kind of dialogues? I mean, who are these people who are in this community that you and, and your, your co-founder have started? I think they're like-minded uh, young people, people like me at the time. I was in my early 20s, um, really searching for identity, uh, trying to find who they were in skateboarding or in streetwear or sneaker culture, or whether it was in social justice causes or writing the arts, um, all of those things. And, and, and there's facets of all of those in our brand and our business. And so I think people see a little reflection of themselves within. Um, it's a very inclusive brand. Uh, we open it up to where anyone can get involved. And I think this was almost antithetical to what streetwear represented uh, back in the day, which was a very exclusive uh, private clubhouse type of mentality. Uh, we were more like, come on in and, and everyone um, contribute something and also learn and build. So here we are, though, 16 years later, you are no longer a young 20-something. You're running an <laughs> enterprise, That's right? right. Uh, That's you're right. in a business that uh, you say in this book basically has the, the memory and the institutional loyalty of a goldfish, right? Everything is, is hot now and then gone. How do you stay current and up to speed while you are a businessman? I think uh, being open-minded is probably the best piece of advice I have for any brand or designer artist trying to stay relevant, trying to keep their head in the game. And by being open-minded, just being open to ideas, um, being being slow to judgment uh, when it comes to seeing what the new generation is bringing in. And that being said, surrounding yourselves with the new generation, um, constantly uh, going out, seeking, supporting younger designers, younger brands, even though it might seem foreign and hard to understand, it's very easy to pass judgment and to criticize what the young kids are doing. Um, but what what has always kept us ahead of the curve and on the front lines is that we've been very open and accepting and supportive, enabling of what young people want to do in terms of bringing new art to the table, new movements and new philosophies. So let's talk about the brand for a minute and and uh, brand identity. One of the things you do in this book, you've got a sort of a, an FAQ at the end about, you know, here's how you go about starting your own business or building your own brand. And you are emphatic that... Um, your brand vision, one's brand vision is what it is. Don't crowdsource it. Customer is not always right. In essence, stick to your guns. 
Yeah. I think people flock to brands because uh, they represent um, an identity. They represent a person, a person with an opinion. And uh, we come to that brand for exactly that. We are not coming to them to give them what we think. Uh, If we want to do that, we can create our own brands, which is happening more and more. And that is something that I encourage and I think is really exciting. But I think uh, you're out there for a reason, and we need you. We need your voice. We need your opinions, and we need you to stand out and to stand for something different. How does this company keep going if the tide turns against you? I mean, do you just do you just what do you, I mean? What do you do? The tide constantly turns against us, especially in streetwear, as we were talking about earlier. The life cycle is very hyperactive. And so uh, what we do is we are just reflective, responsive to what's happening within culture and within the industry. Uh, we stay very open-minded to uh, new talent and new art moving into our space. Um, and then we are just also just extremely transparent and honest and um, very direct with our customers. You know, I got asked that question a lot when we were first starting. Hey, you're one year into the game, two years, five years. How do you expect to stick around for 15, 16 years? And I said, all I know is that I can just be honest and direct with my persons. Um, I can uh, I, I bring them along for the journey. You know, whether or not they want to stay with us is that's up to them. But I think that um, people in themselves never really go out of style. Um, good friends never go out go out of style. And and I always look at brands as friends. You know, the best brands are the best friends. They're reliable. They're consistent. They're stable personalities, and they grow and they evolve. You know, um, I have this mm-hmm. thing of stay true but don't stay put. So um, staying anchored mm-hmm. to who you were and where you came from, but also being open to moving forward and bringing something new to the mix. And so that's what we've always um, strived to do. I think we've accomplished that. There are great uh, sort of founders story anecdotes in this book about the first time you went to get your t-shirts printed and and (laughs) that whole thing. And it was, it was, it was really interesting. I want to pick one example though, where in essence, it, it becomes kind of a fight actually with you and your co-founder, right? Of whether you wind up selling these t-shirts in malls, right? And here That's you right. are, a streetwear brand trying to make it, and you're going to a mall? Right, right. So um, early on in the brand, it was it was more or less frowned upon in our space to sell uh, mainstream mass scale, whether that was to a shopping mall or yeah. to just a chain store in general. Uh, this was before e-commerce uh, became more of the norm within our space. And mm-hmm. so the younger brands today, they don't have to go through this um, negotiation. They can just sell direct to their customers. We didn't have that luxury at the time. And we also didn't have the luxury of capital behind us. Uh, ben and I, my partner and I, we had just funneled in a few hundred dollars of our own money in building this brand. We have no investors or backers. And so as our brand continued to grow and we were hiring more staff and our opportunities broadened, uh, we needed to find a way to bo- boost the capital and the infrastructure and, and bring in money into the business uh, to support what we do to pay for all the overhead. And so we looked at malls. You know, uh, Ben had come to me at one point and said, look, we've discussed this a few times. We may need to open up and expand our account base. And that was something that I philosophically and almost morally stood against as far as Mm -hmm. what our brand represented. It was such, um, at that time, it was such a direct and personal medium that I felt as if we expanded that fast and that quickly, I would lose a lot of that connection with our customer base. And 
it did happen. You know, we ended up selling to um, a much bigger base. And for a while there, I had trouble navigating those relationships with our customers. I felt like I had lost a lot of that human connection, that that touch point with our uh, base. But eventually, we figured out a way back. And that came through by way of social media, through the internet, Hmm. and me just being physically more out there. Um, I do my best to do interviews like this, podcasts, and actually just be on the road touring universities, touring shops, stopping in, and just being as available to our customer base as possible, especially if that means opening up my DMs on my Instagram or my Twitter and spending hours a day just responding and helping young kids who end up becoming the next big fashion designers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You you, got to hustle, right? That's the name of that game. It is. You know, I I feel like I work twice as hard for half the money. Uh, I think everyone (laughs) feels that way these days. Um, But, you know, I do it for the work. I do the work. I I love the work. And really, I love the kids. I love the people that support this brand. And I I really believe in them. I think they are what constantly inspire me and push me to continue to move forward in this business. I get excited to wake up every day to do this because I get to interact with young, energetic, young, spirited youth uh, who have this dream. And so I love to latch onto that. I feel like they inspire me more than I inspire them. And um, that's what keeps me around. Hmm. Bobby Hundreds, also known uh, as Bobby Kim, he's got a book out. It's called This Is Not a T-Shirt uh, by one of the co-founders of the streetwear brand, um, The Hundred. Bobby, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Kai. So there you go. That was my conversation with Bobby Hundreds. To hear more conversations like that one, subscribe to the Corner Office Podcast wherever you choose to get your podcast. Leave a review while you're there, would you? The Corner Office Podcast is produced by Bridget Bonner. This episode by Daniel Shin. Marketplace on the radio is produced by Nancy Fargali. Satar Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. Deborah Clark is the senior vice president and general manager. Back with more episodes in a couple of weeks. 